Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. Jesus, we just thank you so much this evening. We ask for the presence and the glory of the Lord to touch our hearts. We just thank you that you're here in our midst and that you delight in us, God, and that you are so kind and loving. And we just give you today, we give you our lives, and we just pray you would speak to us, that you give us ears to hear what you want to share to us, God, and that we would just learn more about you and we grow in our understanding of who you are in Jesus' name. Uh, a few months ago, I was just in my van um, having some time with the Lord, and I was listening to Revelation chapter 1, um, just on my CD player, and I was just struck specifically by the majesty and compassion of Jesus found in Revelation 1. And so that's the title of my message, The Majesty and Compassion of Jesus Found in Revelation. And so I want to kind of share some of the insights that the Lord spoke to me during that time, or just during that time in the car, as well as like he's just kind of been speaking to me this theme recently. And so I just want to share what God's been putting on my heart. And, you know, I love sharing the word, whether it's to a bunch of people or whether it's just to a few um, or just one person, because I believe that the word of God is powerful and that when you speak it out, it does something in the heavens. It like releases something, I believe, and um, it encourages people. But also, I feel like more than anything, when I share, it's like my heart gets more built up and it does, it goes deeper inside of me. And so this is an encouragement to you guys. If you have stuff brewing on the inside of you that God's been speaking to you, share it. Even if it's just to one person, just being able to share a truth that God's been speaking to you, it actually solidifies it deeper in your heart. And um, and I just I know that from experience, just when I share the truth, it like goes down deeper. And so this is just kind of like an extension of my own quiet time with the Lord, just being able to share what Jesus has been speaking to me. And I just know that. You know, it's going to go down deeper in my heart, and hopefully you guys will be encouraged as well. And really the number one thing I love sharing the most, though, is, um, is just the gospel of Jesus Christ. And with um, COVID, I haven't been able to go to the hospitals like I normally do and share the gospel. So that's been about almost two years. And so I'm grateful that I get to, you know, stand up here and share some truths and um and so my encouragement, I guess, just let's just share the things God puts on our hearts with others and, um, and just speak them back even to the Lord, even if you don't have anyone here, like listening to you, just speaking back the things that God's speaking to you. I think it's, um, it's just kind of like, like a prophetic statement you can speak out. But anyway, I wanted to go ahead and dive into Revelation 1. So if you guys have your Bibles, we, we're going to get, or your apps, <laughs> we're going to camp out there for a little bit. And I just want to read Revelation 1, verse 3 first. Blessed is he who reads those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. So I just think it's 
interesting. So this is talking about specifically the book of Revelation, blessed is he who reads, which includes studying it, and blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy, which includes fully agreeing with it, with the, the strategies of God in Revelation, and then keep it, blessed are those who keep the things which are written in it. So keeping it includes just engaging in that battle plan through uh, prayer and prophesying and um, just believing it. And so there's a special anointing and blessing that God releases when we study the re- Revelation, even when we may not understand it. There's a lot of uh, interesting things in Revelation that I don't understand either, but there's some really incredible stuff that really encourages my heart about what is to come, and it gets me excited about who Jesus is and what is going to happen, you know? And so I'm just going to read Revelation 1, starting at, we'll start at verse 9. And this is going to be a a few verses. So if you guys just want to kind of like, you can close your eyes or just picture this in your mind. Picture Jesus when I'm speaking this. And just kind of like let it sink in. So I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. When what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things that will take place after this. So we'll stop there. So the first thing I want to just highlight is um, just the majesty of Jesus. When I was listening to this in the car, I was just struck by like the greatness of God. And he is just so massive and so huge and so greater than what we could ever imagine or understand. And I know when I like meditate on his, his might, his power, his majesty, there's like this greater faith that enters my heart, faith to believe for the things that I'm praying for, faith to believe that God is in control and he knows the, the things on my heart and he hears and he responds and he's faithful. And so like he just, he really is just so, so powerful and majestic and amazing. And, and I'm going to also dive into like, yet yeah, he's also so compassionate. I'm going to dive into that too, that side of, of him. And even I was uh, dialoguing with the Lord. This was a couple months ago, just walking in the park, pushing Zeke with a stroller. And 
I was just um, meditating on like the majesty of Jesus and like listening to the song by John Thurlow, which describes Jesus on the throne and the what it looks like around his throne. And um, I just began to pour out to the Lord just some difficulties that were in my life or, or things that I'm believing for. And as I'm like just thinking about God, I just felt like faith was like entering my heart. And so I think that's why it's important to like meditate on like God's majesty and his, um, and like just how amazing and powerful he is because there's just like a greater level of faith that I feel like God wants to impart to us because he's so much bigger than our little tiny problems, you know, like, but yeah, he cares about those little tiny problems so much. So, uh, going along with that, I'm going to turn to Isaiah six, verse one. And I remember when I was at the park too, I was just, you know, sharing with the Lord, my, my, you know, challenges or just different things I'm praying for. And I just remember seeing like this, um, off in the distance, like the sunset was like on, it's like, it looked like fire and these beautiful clouds. And like the Lord, like literally painted this picture in the clouds of, it looked like God reaching out his hands, like with so much love, like he's so powerful, but he's so loving at the same time. And I just, that image has just stuck with me ever since then. Just this God that's so like much bigger than the clouds and bigger than the earth, just with his arms reaching out, like wanting to meet us where we're at, just like whatever we're going through, whatever problems or difficulties we have, like he wants to meet us in those times. So Isaiah chapter one, verse uh, six, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings, and with two covered his face, with the other two covered his feet, and with the two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of the people with unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And I love that picture because here um, Isaiah he sees God. And what's his response to seeing God? His response to seeing God is he realizes, woe is me. I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. And he realizes his sin nature. So when we see God with his, and how, all, how majestic he is and glorious he is, we have a greater revelation of our sin nature, which is so important um, to understand that. Now it's important to believe, like know our sin nature, but also believe what God's done for us, and now he is a forgiving God. All right, so also, uh, verses, just a little tidbit, a little extra here I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, Verses six, then one of the seraphim flew to me, which having in his hand the live coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, he touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. So this is kind of not related to my theme of my sermon, but I just thought this was so cool how there was like, you know, 
Isaiah, he saw God and he realized he's a sinner. He say, woe is me. You know, I realize I'm a sinner. And then the seraphim comes and he touches his lips and they, you know, he's declared clean. Like you are clean. You are forgiven. You're righteous before God. And out of that revelation of him being a sinner and him being clean and forgiven comes this outcry. Here I am. Send me, which I love because like, there's this, this like desire to be used by God. And it's not like he didn't just stay at the, in the spot, like where he's just like, Oh, here I, like, you know, I'm a, such a bad sinner. Like, like he knows he's a sinner. He knows he's forgiven. And yet like he wants to be used by the Lord. You know, we're God qualifies though, those who feel unqualified. I know so many times I feel unqualified. I don't feel prepared, but he prepares us when we don't feel prepared. He qualifies the unqualified, the unqualified, and he wants to use us even though we're not perfect. Like we, you know, he doesn't, he's not waiting for us to get all of our stuff together before he, he wants to use us. I know so many times I've heard people say, you know, I'd have to get this together in my life and this together before I can actually do ministry. And I believe that, yeah, I believe that to some degree, like we want to get our stuff together or whatever, but like, don't let, um, that feeling of like, you know, all being so imperfect and don't let that feeling keep you from doing what God's called you to do. You know, like we're going to sin, we're going to make mistakes, but like, let's get up and let's ask God to forgive us and, and just be confident in who he is in that he, we are forgiven in his sight. And like, let's do the work of the Lord. Like, let's say to the Lord, like, here we are, send us, whether it's just to our city or whether it's a bride broad or to the, our workplace, whatever it is, like we are here, Lord, send us. And so let's, let's ask God that we would see him like Isaiah saw him and that we would have a revelation of our sin and we would have a revelation of our forgiveness. And then out of that, like we would want to serve him with all of our hearts and be a witness for his glory. All right. So he calls and commissions sinners like you and me. It's so good. We don't have to have all of our stuff together. All right. We're going to also look at the compassion of Jesus. So we'll flip back to revelation one where we were. And when I was like met, like listening to this chapter um, in the car, I was just the one thing that really struck me was God's compassion in this chapter, and kind of have to look deep for for that in this chapter because you normally just see like the majesty and how He's got eyes like a flame of fire and His feet were like fine brass and His mouth has a two-edged sword like that's all really intense. But I could see like God's heart of compassion in this chapter because. Um, like when he wrote this, he was, he wasn't just thinking about the seven churches at the time. He was thinking about you and me. And this book of revelation is, um, it's a message for the churches. Um, not like back then, you know, when the day and age, like revelation was written. And it's also a message for us today, that we, that God wants to share with us. So like for the generations to come, it's a message for us of how to walk and live and how to, um, like just understand who Jesus is in a greater way. So he cares enough to tell us his end of the age strategy plan to prepare us for what is to come. You know, even when we don't understand it, which I don't understand a lot of this book, but he cares enough to tell us. So, so this is basically, he says to John, um, he says to write these things down 
and and he says that he is going to um, he says write these things down which you have seen and things which are and the things which will take place after this and so like I just felt like when God when like the Lord wrote that that there he's like write these things down and like out of his compassion he wanted John to write these things so that we could have them and so we can meditate on them like he was like he came to John and he was in this island and like he appeared to him and um, he showed him his glory and he's like hey you know what there's gonna be Renee and Joe and Caleb and Glory and there's gonna be people that need to hear this message so write this down for them like write these these things down for the for the churches and the different pe- the people that are gonna come after after us like write these down because I'm thinking of them at this time. And so I just love, you know, God is not just a distant tyrant. He's not just a powerful, mighty king, even though he is a powerful, mighty king, but he's such a caring, loving king. He's not a distant, stoic father that doesn't care about us. He cares about us so um, uniquely and passionately. And, you know, he's slow to anger, abounding in love, and he doesn't close off his heart like when when he's hurt or when we do something wrong or we do something to hurt him, he opens his heart to us again and again and again. And I want that in my life. Like when someone hurts me over and over, like I want to open my heart again and again. And so that's who God is. He is a God full of compassion and he cares enough to share the words of this Bible with us, to give these things to us so that we can have a strategy of what's to come and understand what's to come. And so I just think God's so good. Yeah, so those letters in the seven churches also, I want to share, just reveal what what is important to God. Um, to And so if you turn to like Revelation like 2 and 3, there's um, insights into what God values, his encouragements to the churches, and also what God does not value, what, what the Lord wants there to be a change in. And so like he wants, he reveals these to us so that we can fulfill the things that he wants us to fill in our lives. So we can walk in the fullness of our calling. And so when you read through, you know, skipping over to chapter two and three, like if you want to know what God values and what he, um, what he holds as important, we need to read those, uh, to this, the, the notes, the letters to the seven churches, because we get to understand and grasp like the things that are really important to him. And there's also keys regarding things that are to over, like regarding like how to overcome. And there's promises given for overcomers. And so, um, my next point is just, you know, like reading through Revelation 2 and 3, what is Jesus' Jesus's message for you? You know, there's, like I said, there's insight, um, you know, into each of the letters that God wants to do in your own heart. Like, he sees, like, the good. And we want, like, let's ask God, like, Lord, we want to hear the good in our lives, like, that you see that's good. We want to hear your voice praising us, and we want to take that to heart and cling to it and believe it in it. And we also want to be open to your challenges and your rebukes, because some of these these letters are, they're not, you know, fluffy, nice words. They're like, whoa, that could, that like is can kind of stings in a good way. Like God is so faithful that he doesn't want to just keep us where we're at. He wants us to continue to change and be refined because he, because like, what's the point? What's the point? Because he wants 
to us to fulfill God's plans. And he wants us to be purified so that he gets the most glory, you know? And so, anyway, um, Revelation 3.19, I love this verse. We a lot of times hear it regarding salvation, which I believe it, it um, verse 20, believe that it could be applied to salvation. But I'm going to kind of go a little bit deeper. So if you go to Revelation 3, uh, 19 to 20, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. So these rebukes, a lot of times rebukes are often invitations into greater intimacy with Jesus. And so here he is, he says, I love, as many as I love, I rebuke. And then he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, open that door. And so this is talking about God's reproof in our life. If we hear him knocking on the door of our heart and we open to him, like even if it might be a word of reproof, guess what? He's going to come in. And that's when we can walk into greater intimacy and fellowship with Jesus. And that's what he wants. And sometimes it's hard. I know I have a hard time hearing reproof for corrections. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. We all, you know, I want to hear just good things, but, um, you know, God wants us to change. And so he doesn't want to keep us, leave us where we're at. And he wants to us to open our hearts to his rebukes and corrections as well as, as well as his, his praises too. Cause sometimes people can just be so focused on the negative and not the positive, and some people can be so focused on the positive, not the negative, but we need a healthy balance of both, of what Jesus is saying over us, and we want to be, we want um, him to come into our hearts and to um, dine, to, we want to dine together, that's that's just the picture of, of fellowship, of greater communion, even as we had Thanksgiving dinner, you know, like, that's where fellowship happens. We're eating and enjoying each other's presence and, um, and it's just, you know, getting to know each other better and like just food has the anointing to bring closeness to people. And so I think God knows that and he knows that like, hey, I, I made this thing on earth called food and that can kind of bring, I believe, people together. And so God wants our hearts to be connected to him and he wants us to grow in intimacy with him. And so let's open our hearts to him to hear the good and, and the challenges in our, our lives that we could grow in intimacy. Also, so Jesus is, so yeah, Jesus is wanting us to open our hearts and hear f- feedback. And um, he gives a call to each of these churches. And then he also gives each of these churches what I love is just amazing promises, like I said, of, of what happens when you overcome. And so there's secrets to overcoming in each of these letters. So I encourage you guys to study this. But I'm just going to read to you guys a few of these promises that God gives when we do overcome, when we do apply the things in these letters into our lives. Because that is how you, you overcome. You take the good and you take the challenges that God gives to you and you say, yes, by your grace, God, I'm going to walk this out and I'm going to stand for truth and righteousness even in the midst of difficulties and hard times when there's temptation around me, like I need you, Jesus, and he's going to come in and help us when we have um, you know, moments of weaknesses. So it's so some of these uh, you know promises to him who overcomes says I will give to eat from the tree of life. 
He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Now, some of these promises I don't fully understand, but they sound amazing. And so I want to understand more of what he wants to give us, like the, the promises that, that lay up in heaven for us are just, they, we can't even fully comprehend. Like, you know, for Christmas, we want certain things, you know, we want toys or games or clothes or whatever you can, you know, a new house, a boat, a new car, whatever it is that we want, we want, like God's treasure is so much, so much bigger and so much better and than we can ever understand here on earth. And so I just love that God is so faithful. He is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. He, he really is a generous father. You know, it says in Romans eight thirty two that he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also along with him freely give us all things? And so if God did not spare his own son, but gave Jesus to us, how much more will he freely give us all things, whether it's in this life, in this, in this earthly life or the age to come, you know? And so like he is so generous and so good that he would give us his son and give us eternal life and the, all the treasures that, that are in heaven. And just to, I'm just, I would just be happy just being with them, just sitting on a, you know, sitting up there in, he- with, in heaven with them. But he's got so much in store. I have such a limited mind that I can't fully comprehend um, but God is such a generous, kind, compassionate father. Okay, last point I'm going to make. Okay, is um, found in Revelation one here, and this is um, just a key truth that God revealed to John that I feel like it's important for us to fully understand as well. And it is the truth of overcoming fear. So the enemy uses fear to keep us from entering into the promises God has for our lives, God's desire for us. And, you know, his perfect love, that's the thing that casts out fear. And when, um, when fear sets in, we need to remind ourselves, like G- how Jesus did to John, as I'm going to sh- share with you guys in a minute, we need to remind ourselves what the, the truth that Jesus shared to John and in the midst of fear, we need to just speak those things over ourselves. And, um, you know, God, he affirmed, reaffirmed certain parts of his character to John. And so I'm just going to read that real quick here. It says in verse 17, And when I saw him, I fell dead at, I felt his feet as dead. Okay, does that sound like he's a little scared there? When he saw God, when he saw God, 
He fell at his feet as dead. I mean, I think that's a little bit of fear or a little bit of woe, like, holy cow. But God, he didn't just like, you know, scoff or whatever, but he laid his right hand on John and he said, do not be afraid. And he reminds John of some key things that he should know when he's feeling probably overwhelmed you know, or like fearful. And so God says, I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys of Hades and death. So number one, Jesus shares how he is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the mega. He will he will um, finish what he started. And you know, he's the one that brought forth Genesis and he will fulfill the book of Revelation all the way through. He is the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. And I, I'm, I probably say this better on my notes. I'm going to read this here. Um, you know, he will purify the bride and release the deep desire in our hearts that cries out for his re- return. He is the one that will bring to completion what he has promised. He is the one that created the heavens and the earth in the beginning and the one who will come on the clouds with the bride of Christ and will wage war against the Antichrist and his empire. Jesus and his bride will win the battle. He is faithful and true. And so we need to meditate on on that fact that he is faithful. He's the first and the last. And number two says, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. So he holds, it says too, he holds the keys of death and Hades. He is so powerful that he literally conquered the grave and this conquering the grave, it has a supernatural purpose. You know, what is the purpose of Jesus conquering that grave? So that we could have eternal life. He just, God decided to send Jesus to die for our sins, that we could have that eternal life and that we could spend eternity with him. I mean, that's just so, that's just the most beautiful truth ever. And he has a power to forgive the darkest sins that we ever commit. And, you know, if we have that sincere heart of forgiveness and uh, his love is stronger than death and, you know, death can't separate us from that love. And so number key, two key truth that we need to remind ourselves in the midst of fear is that he, he is the one that lives. He was dead and behold, I'm alive forevermore. So that's the indication of how mighty and powerful he was dead, but he's alive forever and he holds the keys of death and Hades. And so... He is mighty. He can help us when we're afraid and when we're worried and when we feel overwhelmed like John did. And then he says to John, like, hey, you know, you're on the floor, like you're almost about to like die. You look like you're dead on the floor. But he says these things to him. And then he says, write these things, which you've seen, because I have a plan for you, for the churches and for the people that will read this in in the generations to come because he cares about us. So just as a conclusion to my message, let's pray that we grow in understanding of Jesus's majesty, his compassion, and that we would hear his praises as well as his rebukes in our lives. And with that, we would let those things just escort us into that greater place of intimacy with him. And so I'm going to close just praying and we can gather after that and maybe just pray for a little longer. So... 
God, we just thank you so much for who you are, that you are so majestic. We thank you that you have eyes like a flame of fire, that out of your mouth comes a two-edged sword. We thank you that you created the heavens and the earth, and you created us, and we're just this little speck. I feel like a lot that I'm just a little person, but you have so much love for us. Even for this little speck down here on the earth, you have so much love and you care so deeply about us. And it, it just blows my mind. I can't understand how majestic, yet how compassionate you are, all mixed in one. We just pray we grow in a greater revelation of your character, of who you are tonight. And Lord, we just thank you for just uh, how you sent these letters to the churches, and we just believe there's truth in these letters for each of us. And we pray that as we study these these letters that we would hear the good, the praises that come forth from your mouth over our lives. And we'd also see the, the rebukes, the challenges that you want us to uh, walk in, God. We just pray you would help us to understand um, you in a greater way and that we would just... Uh, that you would escort us into a greater place of intimacy and that we would be open to what you want to share with us, Jesus. We just thank you for your kindness, that you don't want to leave us the same. You want to continually change us. You want to purify your bride. We thank you for your goodness tonight, God, and we thank you that you're in this place and that you are so faithful, and we just love you so much tonight. We just we just ask that you would um, continue just to deepen your love in our hearts, that we would grow in greater love and understanding of your love for us, God. We love you, Jesus. Amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you, and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.